You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. We're usually talking about football when we do our bit, it could have been worse. We're usually thinking about stuff that happened over the weekend and ways to make yourself feel better about life by looking at the sad experiences of others. And uh, last night it was the Wizards. Last night, if you know a <laughs> Wizards fan, you could look at your life and just feel better about almost anything uh as long as your team wasn't the one blowing a lead like that especially if you're a Sixers fan watching Embiid continue to do what he's been doing or for that matter a Lakers fan watching AD make his way back a lot going on in hoops on this Wednesday and we got a great slate of games tonight as well it's Spain and Fitz Sarah Spain Jason Fitz ESPN radio ESPN app Sirius XM channel 80 we'll get to the Wizards wilting in just a moment but Fitz, we got a couple tonight. Of course, my Bulls are in action. Uh, in fact, a, a, a pretty good matchup there with the Raptors. We've got the Bucks taking on the Cavs, the Knicks and the Heat, the Nuggets and the Nets as the Nets are coming off that loss to the Lakers. And we've got a great later game tonight with the Suns and the Jazz. Is there one of those that you're thinking, okay, when the show ends tonight, I'm going to sit down on my couch and I'll make myself a snack and check it out? So far, by the way, no snacks. I'm eating all healthy. I'm clean as a whistle now. I like, mean, snacks can be healthy. Let's go, Sarah. Snacks uh, can be healthy. Wait a minute. I thought last calories. week you were Here's ordering like enough pizza to be Jabba the Pizza Hut. New, new day, new me. Like, you know. Oh, I, I, not I a new year, just had, a new day. Uh, uh, new day, <laughs> me. Now I'm completely anti-snacking. I, I, I ate, like, I think three cheese pizza last weekend. Now I'm back oh, under boy. control. Uh, oh, boy. So for me, though, this all comes down to Bucks and Cleveland because, frankly, a couple of things. One, uh, Giannis back. But two, Cleveland has been fun to watch throughout the course of this year. And I keep waiting for it to come off the rails and to find out that they're not legit. But every time I think that's going to happen, that doesn't happen. So for me, these are sort of prove-it moments. Like the Bucks are coasting through the season and sl- mostly invisible unless some of their non-star players are doing awful things. Uh, uh-huh. But th- they're mostly invisible. Nobody's really talking about them. But all they're doing is winning games. Like they're just keeping everything fresh and making sure they're good. Cleveland is coming out just th- systematically not Night in and night out, getting it done. And every time I think they're not going to, they do. So I'm interested to see how they step up to the challenge that comes from playing Milwaukee. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think every chance we get to to remind ourselves about Milwaukee is good because, like you said, it's been a little bit quiet. It's always hard in a return season after a win because you just don't know how much fire there is for every regular season game and so we do this a lot with the NBA in general right is how much can you take away from one regular season game but especially so when you've got a team um, that's coming off of a, of a championship win you know or for that matter any team with LeBron James and we've done this exercise a million times over right if LeBron James is on a team it doesn't matter how bad they look we're still going to worry about you know playoff time what he can do now this year is a little different LeBron himself has been absolutely on fire averaging nearly 30 points a season he's on pace to have his highest average in over a decade he's currently that's insane by the way right right at his age is is incredible since the 20 uh 2009 2010 season and and then you look at just the last few games he's he's got 17 or maybe is 18 after last night games uh with uh, at least 25 points i mean it's unbelievable. He, he's been doing unbelievable things. Unfortunately, it has not translated to the Lakers. And we talked to Brian Windhorst last night, and the worst news possible for Lakers fan is that the second half of the season, they've got an impossible schedule. Things only get more difficult. They've had one of the easiest schedules in the association so far, and it has gotten them out of the playoffs as of now. <laughs> 
that's sh- like that shook me though when Wendy said that, right? Like I had no idea that that had been the case, and to think that that's where they are is not good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so you're getting back AD. He had eight points last night. It's going to take some time. And honestly, they were pretty they were pretty open about the fact that they would have waited longer for him to feel even better. But, you know, they don't have the opportunity to. <laughs> you're not able to take your time. So eight points in 25 minutes coming back after 17 games missed to that sprained left knee. And it was a nice victory for them. They beat the Brooklyn Nets 106-96. Uh, without AD, the Lakers went 7-10. and 10. Like I said, they're currently sitting at 524. They're exactly 500 in their last 10 games as well, sitting in 8th in the West. And with that second half of the season that looks so daunting, it's not difficult to imagine a Lakers team that doesn't make the postseason, even as LeBron is doing incredible things for his age, for the duration of, of, of being in the league. Um, and then and then big picture, Fitz, he's now just 2,000 points shy of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's points, uh, which is something he could do easily by next season. 83 assists shy of 10,000 for his career, which would make him the first triple quintuple player in history of 10,000 points rebounds assists uh he already has he already has the rebounds so just unbelievable but it it doesn't matter much cuz what it, what is lebron adding to his legacy with those numbers that we don't already know it's about titles yeah and it's a catastrophic fa- like we sat here and said it'd be a catastrophic failure if they don't win a title and now we're sitting here saying they may not even make the playoffs like i i just yeah. can't negotiate that in my mind no matter how great lebron is the failure of this Lakers team at this point is going to be something that's talked about for years to come. If they don't even like, if they're not competitive at the highest possible level and don't write this ship, this is going to be this chapter that generations from now they still talk about and say, "I remember the LeBron yeah. AD failure." Well, and unfortunately, there's a lot of receipts of those guys acting like people were out of pocket for questioning that roster construction when we first saw it. You're going to have a lot of those quotes to come back to if it doesn't work out. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. While we're keeping up with, you know, LeBron and and the Nets and some of the drama, sort of quietly up until the last couple days, couple games, Joel Embiid has been uh, a a guy who we should have been talking more about. A a guy who is very, very firmly in the MVP discussion. 30 points in 14 of his last 15 games, 40 points in three of his last four. He's actually a game shy now of Karl Malone's record of five straight games with at least 35 points and 10 rebounds. Somehow he didn't get Eastern Conference Player of the Week fits, despite a 50 and then a 40 and then a 38. I don't know how that's possible. Um, <laughs> maybe that's because of what I just said. We're talking a lot about Simmons and what's happening for him. There's been some injuries to other supporting cast members on the Sixers. And despite his success, they're still two games back in the loss column of the number one seed with five teams in front of them because just how packed the East is. We're going to talk to Kate Scott, who is uh, uh, on the call for Sixers games, a new gig out there for her, which is great. Uh, but Chris Canty is ready to lead the way in terms of uh, Embiid MVP conversation. With his performance last night against the Pels, 42 points, six rebounds. What did he play, 33 minutes? It's ridiculous what he's doing. He's out there stunting on him. Now, Tobias Harris is coming to the party. He's stepping up in the absence of Ben Simmons, and I know that Tyrese Maxey shows flashes, but this is not a roster that you would look at and say, this is a team that's a couple of games away from being one of the top seeds in the Eastern Conference. You wouldn't perceive the Philadelphia Sixers to be like that when you look at their roster in totality, but that just speaks to the level of greatness that Joel Embiid is playing in. This team is 12-4 and in their last 16 games. Please, somebody, 
Give this man his flowers, and let's start caping for him to be the MVP of this league because he deserves it. You agree? No, I, I mean, yes, everything you just said makes so much sense. And the other part of it for me is that I think we have to decide, to your point, how we want to cover things sometimes. It's easy to fall back on the let's have the conversation about the Ben Simmons drama because it's drama, and drama sells, and everybody loves it. But at some point, we can also look at it and say, despite any of the distraction, using the air quotes, that we talk about in these situations, Embiid keeps doing what he's doing, and the Sixers find themselves, I'd say, only two games out of the number one seed. Like That, to me, speaks to his greatness. It speaks to the way that this team can be this season, and it speaks to positivity that we can have around the conversation of the 76ers if we choose to ignore the drama for two seconds. Yeah, uh, we are going to ignore the drama, but I can't let this segment get away without mentioning the Wizards uh, because, uh, <laughs> oh my God, I mean, just unbelievable last night, all the things that had to happen in order for the Wizards' certain victory to turn into a loss. The Clippers fought back from down 35 points to beat oh. them 116 to 115. Luke Kennard got seven points in the last nine seconds, including a four-point play with 1.9 remaining. Unbelievable. 25 off the bench for him. It's the biggest victory in Clippers history, tied for the second largest in the play-by-play -play era. Um, this was an absolute gut punch to a Wizards fan base that's already sort of flying the white flag. And I, it had me thinking. I want to ask at Sarah Spain, at Spain and Fitz, at Jason Fitz, what team in professional sports is the toughest one to root for right now? Not historically, not based on previous years, but right now you want to settle in on your couch and watch a regular season game, basketball, baseball, whatever it is, WNBA, whatever it is, what is the toughest team to, to, to root for right now? Because I think the Wizards are in that conversation. NBA's on ESPN Radio. Tune in tomorrow night as the Sixers host the Lakers, presented by Indeed. Covered begins at 7 Eastern on most ESPN radio stations. More on that later, but coming up, our first look at NFL Championship Weekend. Who you rooting for? Who you hating on? You're listening to the Spain and Fitz Podcast. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. We are off tomorrow, which means we got tonight and Friday, really, to get out all of our thoughts about the upcoming championship weekend in the NFL. We heard from some of the players uh, the last day or two, Fitz. Nobody has given out too much info. Not a lot of secrets being shared, and that's not surprising. We got a lot of recaps from uh, the big plays of last weekend, but these are entirely new matchups. And before we even get to the X's and O's, I'm wondering, without a dog in the fight, how you're deciding who to root for. Is it a hate-based metric, or are you finding the positives to root for? I'm a little Okay, so I'm a little torn here because my preseason Super Bowl pick, I believe, was Rams versus Chiefs. So I feel like I've still Ooh. got a pretty good chance. Not that that was really going out on much of a limb. What was mine? Just, uh, Chiefs, Packers? Woof. Uh, well, you know, we, we were both right there, you know. Yeah, uh -huh. I, I think uh, I'm just trying to be a beacon of light. We both had the Seahawks in a wild card position, so that no, that that that, 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 uh, that was regrettable. <laughs> but this is this is problematic for me because there's no way I'm rooting for the Chiefs. Like the Raiders fandom in me just is going to prevent that. So I I'm looking for Joe Burrow to do the impossible and win a Super Bowl this year. That's all I care about. So okay. I think I'm going to root for the Bengals to take on the 49ers because the 49ers to me are more beatable than the Rams. So I like Burrow's chances to win a Super Bowl if he takes on the 49ers. And yes, I'll keep posting anti-Bengals songs every week in uh, in hopes that that continues to help them uh, propel forward to a Super Bowl. 
Uh, we'll ask the folks that as well. Uh, you know, are you using hate-based metrics to decide by process of elimination who you would least like to see succeed? Are you finding <laughs> positives like, hey, the, I really like that player, so I guess I'm good with that. Uh, we want to know, for those who don't have a dog in the fight, how you are choosing your allegiances for the Bengals, Chiefs, and Niners, Rams games coming up on Sunday. All right, let's take a look at that that first Sunday game. You mentioned the Bengals and the unlikelihood of all of this. It's a blueprint for any fan who wants to believe that just getting the right quarterback can change an entire dysfunctional franchise. And I'm speaking as someone who fits right into that slot right there. (laughs) I'm just going to need Justin Fields to be the guy that somehow turns an entirely dysfunctional place into somewhere that can succeed because – the Bengals have been the poster children for futility at the playoff level, particularly when people would continually point out that it felt like the owners actually didn't even care about winning. That was not a priority for them. And yet here they are one more win away from being in the Super Bowl. Of course, that one win would have to come against a Chiefs team that everybody seems to think faced the toughest opponent left in the Bills last weekend and beat them. But at some point, as you look at what the Bengals have continued to do and you think about the impossibility of it, it has never felt impossible to this Bengals team. That's the hardest part about it. Like everything that we've ever looked at historically from Cincinnati has no bearing at this point because Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase don't care, right? Like they've made that pretty evident. So it feels like uh, all the history that we have around the Bengals and what they need to do and, and the impossibility around it doesn't really seem like it matters. So now what I'm looking at, is a Joe Burrow going up against a Chiefs team that is in – I mean, we've seen cracks in the armor defensively, particularly. We're all going to think about the end of that last game, right? Like how easy it was for Buffalo to score. Well, now you're telling me Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow can go off on that defense? Like, I think if I'm Cincinnati, I feel pretty good going into this game. Really? Okay. So, I mean, I, I think we've seen an incredible show of offensive ability from – the Bengals and from uh, Jamar and, and Burrow, but I'm not, I'm not putting them in the same class with with Josh Allen and that Buffalo offense. Are you? Well, here's the thing. Maybe I'm not putting them in the same class in their ability to do what Josh does because he's so unique to defend. But the one thing that keeps hitting me is that, and you pointed out, the Raiders got all over that offensive line. Uh, obviously, then the Titans get nine sacks. I'm not sure that this Kansas City defensive line can get at the quarterback the way either of those teams do. And they have some good players, but the Titans were really strong this year all the way across on the defensive line. So I, I think that was a bad matchup for Cincinnati. So now what I see in my mind is the opportunity for Joe Burrow to stay upright just a little bit more. And if he can stay (laughs) upright just a little bit more, man, then all of a sudden now we're asking Kansas City to have to cover Jamar Chase, which they didn't do the first time they played. So I I think there's a, that's where the real opportunity comes because my God, in my mind, every matchup so far in the playoffs, I've thought that defensive line is going to murder Joe Burrow and it won't happen. Now I don't think he's going to get murdered. So seeing the productivity we've seen, They've been able to win games where I didn't love the matchup for them. Now I look at it and say upright Burrow could be a problem for the Chiefs. But what do you make of the Bengals' defense being able to stop Patrick Mahomes? This is a team that early on in the season, especially when people were showing those two high safety looks, he wasn't able to adjust. He had six of his ten worst career performances this season but four of those came before week 10. He is figuring out how to adjust. How do you see the Bengals being able to stop him as he just gets hotter and hotter? Look what he did in 13 seconds last weekend. 
I mean, that's the hard part about it. I, I was telling somebody after the game last week that I just don't know how you stop Patrick Mahomes. Like early in the season, he stopped himself. And yeah. now it just feels like it feels like he rolled around in a bunch of Crisco. So you can't actually tackle him. <laughs> he can slip out of anything. And by the way, as our stats and info group pointed out smart, I've, I've loved this stat all day. Mahomes is 8-0 in the playoffs against quarterbacks not named Tom Brady. So, yeah. like, there's only one guy yeah. that beats him. And, and so <laughs> it becomes a little bit gross through all that. I don't know how Cincinnati stops him. I, I'm not sure they can stop him. I just don't think the Chiefs can stop Burrow either. So it becomes that whole team of destiny versus quarterback that feels right. like he's playing a video game. And, and a game of stops again, which is what yeah. we ended up seeing last week. It was who had time to make one more stop and who had the ball next. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, represented by Progressive Insurance. Let's look at that second game. The Rams get to be at home hosting the Niners. 5.30, I guess 6.30 Eastern on, on uh, Sunday. What's your first look at this one? Because this is another one where if you just look at the match, matchup and past meetings you feel like the underdog is the favorite yeah that's the hardest part about this this is the ultimate yeah but game because yeah. i think you can look at everything about the roster of the rams and everything we think of the rams and we could say heck yeah the rams are the better team here yeah but kyle shanahan seems to live rent free in sean McVay's head and yeah but all jimmy g does is beat the Rams. So, I mean, as uh, one of our guests told us a couple weeks ago, the next time that the Rams beat Jimmy G will be the first time that he's <laughs> like, so that's the stunning. Yeah. But to me, because yeah. I, I feel like the Rams are the better team, but who the hell cares? Yeah. I, I mean, I think you got Cooper cup and OBJ versus a Niners secondary that they can absolutely manhandle. You look at other matchups and it feels like they should, they should be fine with this. If Stafford doesn't throw the ball away and if he continues to play like we've seen the last couple weeks, plus you've got a, a furious pass rush that's going to make Jimmy G uncomfortable and compound injuries and everything else, but then you've got everything else in your gut telling you that Shanahan knows exactly how to scheme this to get the most out of a team, especially their ability to get tons of pressure without blitzing, which is going to make it tough on Stafford. Yeah, that that's the hardest. I mean, and then you've got a Stafford that has been just white hot at times. I mean, it's hard. And then a Jimmy G that every once in a while throws up a duck, and you keep yeah. thinking Jimmy G's going to do that. I, I mean, it's drama all over. More on Stafford's number with that pressure minus the blitz. Also, who are you rooting for and why? All of that later. But we're going to talk to a Chiefs player coming up next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. I don't know how this happens, Sarah. You know, Sarah, lifelong diehard Bears fan. Bears playing well? We don't, we, we don't get any Bears on the show. I'm yeah, a lifelong yeah. diehard Raiders mm -hmm. fan. Raiders playing well? We don't get yeah. any Raiders. But Stosh, our producer extraordinaire, Chiefs fan. Chiefs rolling into the AFC Championship game. What do you know? He's pulling strings. He's magical. Mm -hmm. This is exciting, though. We're super happy to talk to Legereus Sneed joining us. Chiefs Corner, thanks so much for the time, man. The whole world trying to figure out how to react to the fourth quarter of that game. What was your reaction on the field? 13 seconds left watching Mahomes do that. Oh, man, I was sad uh, at first because I gave up a touchdown. So I was the one who <laughs> gave up the touchdown. So I was praying, though, when I when it sat down, you know, and it was crazy what was going on. It was like a movie. I couldn't believe it happened. Yeah, let's talk about that. I mean, th this is an incredibly tough game to be a defensive player in. It was back and forth, everyone getting burnt. When you have a moment like that where you, you think the blame is pinned on me or I would look at myself and feel responsible for that touchdown, 
how do you psych yourself up on the bench to get back out there and not get burned again? No, man, you know, you just put that play away and, you know, just forget about it. You know, things happen. They get paid like I get paid in the NFL, like, I, like I'm in the NFL. So, right. you know, I just put it away and just go back out there and do what I do. What's the hardest part? Like, when you're in a game like that that's going back and forth and there is so much offense, what's the most difficult part from a defensive standpoint as the game wears down? Oh, man, you know, just stay focused. You know, your techniques and what you need to do and do your job the best way you can. Yeah, and just, uh, I guess, conditioning uh, because it <laughs> looked like it was exhausting. Yeah, yeah that too. That too, you have to be in shape too because it, 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 it was a dog fight. Yeah. Fitz, by the way, we're talking to quite an athlete here in Legereus Need. I know that's obvious. He plays in the NFL. But you were a wide receiver turned cornerback, turned safety, back to cornerback. Anyone who can play all those positions, that's just an athlete right there. Do you miss the days of getting uh, getting to catch the ball? Yeah, I do. I miss it a lot. You know, I can't catch how I used to catch, though. Once they turned me to a DB, out, I, I lost my catching skills. You lost your hands. <laughs> <laughs> So, I wish I could go back, though. <laughs> what was the Arrowhead environment like as that game came to a close? Uh, it was crazy, man. I know once I got out there and warmed up, I was I seen how crazy it was, especially when we ran out. It was too loud in there. How do you feel joining a team that's had such success where you're hungry, you want that, you want that? Super Bowl, you want all the success, and there are guys on the team who have been there, done that. How do you keep that motivation? Um, because we know how hard it is to repeat in the NFL. Oh, yeah, man. You know, I'm surrounded by great guys. You know, they just, I'm just learning from them day by day, in and out, and taking, soaking everything in. I mean, with that being said, you come from Louisiana Tech, you come into this. Like, what's been the most, uh, what, what was the most difficult transition into the NFL for you? Oh, man, the speed. I say the speed wise, it was it was kind of fast when I first got into the NFL. Then college, college is totally different, and it's a business on the business side too. It's totally different. Talk about the business side. How do you balance that, especially when you're a young player um, and you are just really hyped about the opportunity? There's just so much love of the game that hasn't been ripped out of you by the business side. How do you figure out how to balance that, understanding that now that you're a pro and it's an actual job? Oh, man, you know, I have guys who I call who've been in the NFL or who's still in the NFL who I get advice from and help me along the way because it's something new to me, you know. That's why as veterans and how to do it, what to do, and what not to do. We're talking to Legereus Sneed, Chiefs corner on Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. So this defense has had sort of an up-and-down year, right? It, there was a churning point, it felt like, at some mm -hmm. point later in the season where you guys really turned it on. What became different in the defense at that point? Uh, I don't think nothing was different, you know. We just had to find out who we really were. We knew who we were, but we just had to, you know, just come together as a, as a unit. And Once we did that, everything just started to click. Well, Jerry, all right, be honest with us here because there was a point in this season where the defense was really keeping things together. Mahomes and that offense were just letting you down. Were you in the locker room trying to talk him up, make sure Mahomes knew he could be a good player in this league because at one point the defense <laughs> oh, no. was doing it all. <laughs> you know, we know we know who Patrick Mahomes is. Everybody knows who he is. So he just, you know. You that believed in him, that he was going to figure it out, that he was going to have a bright yeah, future. Yeah, we, we, we knew who he was. We knew he was going to figure <laughs> it out. 
So walk me through your process of prepping for the AFC Championship game. Because you guys played the Bengals, obviously. It wasn't that long ago in the season. How much time do you spend looking at that game versus looking at where the Bengals and you are now? Oh, man, you know, I looked at the last game. I looked at my mistakes from my last game. So when we played them and what we did in that game, you know, we have a different game plan for them. We're going to be ready for them. Yeah, it's a it's quite a challenge, especially when there's guys with the chemistry that we've seen Burrow and Chase have together. They just have this connection that's going to be tough to stop. What's the latest on Teron Matthew and his availability? Uh, he'll be back. He'll be back full and go. And yeah, they they they're they great. They, are, they both are great. Chase and Burrow, they're both great. Great players. Legere this guy already knows Fitz. He already yeah. learned not to talk smack. He's not giving any bulletin board material. He's not, especially someone like Burrow, who's got <laughs> some like some real swag. Like that guy is looking for you to say something bad about him that he can use. At least, so uh, give us this, all right? Like, like we'll get away from any trash talking. We'll go to your locker room when you're when you guys are celebrating that win. Who's the best locker room DJ? Like who who actually like controls the vibe? Uh, Willie Gay and Chris Jones. Mm, I was going to say Andy Reid, so I'm glad. To, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Andy Reid, much of a dancer. Is he in there breaking it down with you guys? Uh, no, nah, he ain't too much dancing. He'll, he'll do a little move, though. Uh, Legereus, I'm curious. Like you, we've we we've heard so many great things about Andy Reid for years, and obviously a ton of success. When you get drafted by a team, when you sign on with a team, you know you don't really know what to expect. Actually showing up for practice every day. What's your experience been like playing for Coach Reid? Oh man, he's been the best best I've been around, you know. He's a great coach, you know, he's a laid back coach and ready to work coach. Well, we know you're ready to work going into the AFC championship game, man. Congratulations oh, yeah. on all the success. Thanks for giving us a thriller of a game. You know what? You giving up that touchdown made sure that we all had the best game of all time sure, to watch and you, you win. That. So like yeah, we owe really it all to you, brother. <laughs> Thanks for hanging out with us, man. We appreciate you. Have a great no game. Doubt, Thanks man. for the time, brother. <laughs> Thanks, man. Right, y'all too. That's Legereus Need Chiefs corner. Uh, look, I mean, 13 seconds left, you give up that touchdown. Uh, I, I can't imagine that feeling, but then seeing Mahomes do what he did in 13 seconds, like, uh, yeah. I don't care whether you're watching on TV. I don't care whether you're sitting in Arrowhead. I don't care if you're standing on that sideline. That was one of those moments that we're going to tell our great-grandkids, I was mm -hmm. there for that moment in that football game, sir. I appreciate the content, Legereus, for sure. <laughs> ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average. Uh, great for Legereus to hang out with us going into the AFC Championship game, and we'll see uh, how their game – he did say the game plan's different. We couldn't figure out why. He wouldn't tell us what yet. Mm. We didn't get that out of him. Mm -hmm. uh, but we know that they're going to have a different plan for the Bengals. We'll see where that goes. In the meantime, we've heard from James Harden through all of the uh, interesting things that have happened this season – how fed up is he? Is he happy? We finally heard from him. You'll hear it next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Sirius XM, Channel 80. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. You know, there are a few moments in this job where you look around and you think, really? Are, are you sure? And that happened to me yesterday because I found myself, Sarah, for all of the conversations. when you got been, a paycheck again? Yeah, I was like, no, it's when they asked me to do another show, and I'm like, really? You, you, really? you know, not yet. Me? Have you been? Yeah. 
listening? <laughs> Somebody asked me the other day what the most interesting thing about working with me is, and I said, you never know when my professionalism goes completely away. The inability to read, the voice cracks, you never know. So uh, I, I'm, I'm sitting around yesterday, and we finished the show, and uh, you know, I'm feeling pretty good about everything, and you know, all the football talk, and you know, getting excited for everything. And then I look around, and I realize the Nets or Lakers were playing last night. And that's a bit stunning <laughs> to me because the Nets and Lakers was supposed to be like the matchup. I mean, let's be real. We spent a couple of years hyping every ounce of everything Nets-Lakers. It should have been the thing that everybody was glued to. And it just sort of reminded me of how far off the rails some aspects of this NBA season have gone. That we can be sitting here looking at it the day after you know the Lakers get a big win over the Nets. And it just doesn't rule the conscious the way I would expect it to because both of these teams haven't been who they should have been. I mean, I think also a lot of times it's just the spaces that you're in. Like the folks that are all NBA all the time are probably really hot on this, but there isn't, there wasn't a drama pegged to this outside of the excitement around Anthony Davis's return. Right. And that's what drives a lot of the biggest conversations now is, is, you know, the, the questions. And I think what we saw after the game, in the conversation with Harden and the media is what's going to get a lot of the, the interest. And that's part of the issue. And we've been talking about this for years with the NBA fits is that the NBA has stolen a lot of headlines and off season drama and all of that from the NFL in ways that are great for business. But a lot of times what people want to talk about is which player is leaving for where who's fighting with whom Who's a guy we hate now or like now or didn't like before and now we're still not sure instead of the games themselves. Now, that's not everybody, but I'll tell you, when people complain about, you know, First Take or Get Up or any of the shows talking about certain things that they're not into, um, they're ignoring that the majority of fans are really into the drama, the soap opera aspect of the NBA. It's a big part of it. No, well, there's no doubt about it, and you're absolutely right that NBA heads are completely dialed into this. I think one of the things that's interesting to me, though, are certain matchups are supposed to be bigger than that. And just like we yeah, see in the NFL, right. certain times you get brands that are bigger than that. That's what I thought they would be. And you're absolutely right. At this point, it feels like the Nets and the Lakers are a little bit like that reality show that you've hung on to too long. But then at the very end, coming up next week, and you see the preview, and you get all excited about the drama because we got drama. I know afterwards. you're thinking of Below Deck right now. Yeah, I yeah, know that's actually, what was in you know your what? head. You were like, you're oh, right, finally like, the chef and the woman who like brings in the dinghies are going to hook up or whatever the hell happens on that stupid show. I mean, you know what? I, I'll admit, this is the first year in a long time where I just stopped watching a few weeks ago. Like, I'm proud I'm like, of you. I've, I, I I'm just, proud of you. I've watched not, four episodes all to watch my friend Jamel Hill, and they've all been terrible. Oh, and Michael Eves. I've watched yeah. my friends on the show, and each time I've been like, I hate all of you for making me watch this trash. That being said, bravo, call me. I would still love to do a reaction show. It, I'm you watching it You also do look like a, 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 someone who would work on a poop deck. Well, uh, no, I look like a yachty because I'm all in shape and everything. No, I'm not. No, okay. I, I, three cheese pizzas last weekend. Uh, <laughs> Harden also has not always looked like he was in shape, but he will give you the drama. And he did it in his post-game press conference when he took, he was asked about his frustrations with the team this season. This is what he said. Listen, listen, I don't know about any reports. Of course, I'm frustrated because, you know, we're not healthy. You know, we're, it's, it's a lot of inconsistency for whatever reason. Injuries, COVID, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's frustrating. I think everybody in this organization is frustrated because we are better than what our record is and we should be, you know, on the way up. So that's all it is. I don't mean, I don't know about reports. If you didn't hear from me, like, I don't, I don't, I don't talk to nobody. I have an agent. <laughs> like, you know, if you don't hear from me, then it's reports. So, um, 
You know, just I'm I'm frustrated because I want to win, and I'm I'm a competitor. It's pretty simple. I think it's important to point out that the reporter had asked about reports that he's not happy in Brooklyn, not happy in New York, all of these things. But it, what's hard for me on that is he says several times, "You're not hearing it from me." Well, he does have a microphone, so this is his chance to say, "Hey." Right. I love it here. I, the, none of these reports are true, but it, 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 that's the difficulty in all of this. I mean, he denied it. He denied being unhappy, but he did admit to frustrations that the team has not been able to be consistently a winning squad. It was specifically be, uh, a reporter from Bleacher Report, Jake Fisher, who wrote on Tuesday that James not only was disgruntled with the rotations that Steve Nash goes with in late-game scenarios, but also didn't like living in New York City. Um, when asked about it directly, you know, do you like living in New York? Yes, with a confused look on his face. But I don't know that you can ever really trust someone backed into a corner about quote-unquote reports, to be honest, um, especially if it's going to cause any more animus in a team that already has a lot of dynamics to work through. They were talking about it on NBA Today uh, this afternoon, and, you know, Kendrick Perkins was sort of intimating that th at some point James Harden's got to just pull Kyrie aside in the locker room and tell him, you know, this isn't a passive-aggressive thing anymore. We're not going to crack jokes about you needing to get vaccinated and be available. You need to do it. And and most people pointed out, like, he's not going to answer to you. He's not going to answer to you. He's not going to answer to the NBA. He's not going to answer to the government. He's not going to answer to paychecks not coming. So if that's the case, and if you kind of know I have no influence over this guy, especially if you're Kevin Durant, who was convinced to come here by Kyrie, then you do feel like you're at a dead end. Not only do you have one of your superstars out, now Kevin Durant is injured, so you're going to have to carry a team, and you went there presumably to have it a bit easier, Fitz. Now, that's not to say that James Harden wants to take an easy path or doesn't want to work hard, but just... You show up on a team with a big three like that, presuming it's going to be a whole lot of fun. You're going to be, you know, every night, just globe trotting out there and, and, you know, whizzing passes, shooting threes, and then going and talking about how great you are. And instead, it's been one long soap opera drama situation. And so I'm, I will be zero percent zero a part of me will be surprised when he leaves i just think he's got to finish the season so he's gonna have to lie about it right now yeah I, you make a really good point spain and fitz there spain jason fitz when it comes to what else is he gonna say about some of this uh, but the, there is a portion though of again sort of to go back to our conversation we had about the 76ers earlier and how it's easy to cover some of the negativity and the drama it is easy to to cover the nets with a sense of negativity they are one game back of being the top seed in the East. Right. They're 29 and 18, and they've done all of that mostly without one of their three stars. And even if you want to take Kyrie and just, you know, crumple him up and take him completely out of the equation, put him over in a box and say he is not a part of this team, they still have two epic players. I mean, that that's it's not like they are just a one-man show without Kyrie. It is not as Harlem Globetrottery as we thought it would be or to your point maybe not as much fun as Harden thought it would be but there is still a capability to win a championship the way they're built right now I mean they are playing at a high enough competitive level to go out and win and they still have Harden and KD like that's a, a bevy of riches that some franchises would kill to have Fitz there is absolutely the possibility but we felt the same way about this team last year despite the injuries despite not having everybody available and they were eliminated in the second round, right? I mean, granted, Kevin Durant's extra big shoe had something to say about it, but 
This is a trio that's only played 16 games together. This is a guy in Harden who wanted out in part because he didn't want to have to do it all himself. He didn't want to be in Houston carrying everything, and now he can't be in control of Harden's injury. But there's something much more frustrating about knowing that Kyrie could do something to change how things are going and won't versus you have no control over something like injuries. And I think that just presents so much more of a complicated dynamic in that locker room. And then his age, you know, he's going to be 33 in the off season. He's never won a title. He can get one last giant contract and he might already be looking around trying to figure out his next move, which adds yet another dynamic to the nets of like, you're going to put this team together with these three guys. And there's a potential for it all to fall apart without ever winning anything or even getting close. Yeah, that that's a by the way, uh, Katie, for the first time ever in life, uh, jealous of my nine and a half size foot. Thank you very much. Wouldn't have been on the line there. Sufficiently average feet, uh, and then Wouldn't the have been other on part the of court it, there yeah. either for a number. Yeah. Of well, yeah, that's probably a fair point. Uh, but uh, there, it is going to be interesting to me because uh, you know I talk so much about context and how much it matters to me when we tell the story of different eras or different teams or different players. I wonder historically what the context around all of this will be for Lakers, Clippers, and Nets team that all thought that they were assembling what it was going to take for them to uh, get to some incredible heights. And for the Nets and and Clippers particularly, what it was going to be for their brands and how it was going to be their breakthrough moment. And now we're not seeing that, obviously. that's, That's not something that looks like it's on the horizon necessarily as easily. Even if the Nets win the championship, it won't have been done with the level of dominance and fun that I think most people thought they were going to see. So I am genuinely interested to see how all of this plays out for the context that it belongs around it because I'm not sure how to make sense of who the are versus who the Nets thought we would, they would be given right. the global pandemic. And I do think that we like to play like a revisionist history. We look back at a team that had great chemistry and we say that's why they won it all. And we kind of ignore it when a team doesn't and still wins. But in this case, you do have to wonder how much that might factor in as you get deeper into a postseason. Yeah, well, uh, either way, the the eyes aren't going to get any uh, the, the the roars aren't going to get any softer. I should say when it comes to everything <laughs> that Harden says. In the meantime, what the hell's gotten into Joel Embiid? How would he get so great so quick? We'll get expert. Uh, we'll get. Uh, uh, never mind. We're just going to talk <laughs> Sixers. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Feels like every time we have our next guest on, friend of the show, Kate Scott, we're congratulating her on a new job. It's like, oh, you're calling the Olympics. Oh, you're calling college football with Mike Golick. Oh, you're now the play-by-play TV presenter for the Sixers. Pretty impressive. Every time, she's not leaving jobs for anybody else. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Let's have a little Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless with our friend Kate Scott of NBC Sports Philly. Kate, first of all, How's the job been? What an incredible, cool, awesome, groundbreaking thing to be the regular voice for an NBA team. Yeah, I, I don't know if they knew what they were doing, but uh, I'm having a blast. <laughs> and what's up, friends? It's great Hi, to chat with man. you. As I tweeted Sarah already, um, I may be a few alcoholic beverages in because we don't have a game tonight, which is very Perfect. rare in the NBA. Feels like I've been working since I landed in Philly back in September. Um but it has been awesome. Um, yeah, let's make some news then. Here, you know, say some stuff without the, a filter. 
Exactly. Well, that's what I was hoping, right? I know you love that. I know Fitz loves that, too. So, um, no, it's been really great uh, from the team to the uh, folks I'm working with at NBC Sports Philadelphia to the rest of the league. I mean, I was just talking with Pete Pranica, who's the, the play-by-play voice in the Memphis Grizzlies earlier today on his podcast because they're coming to Philly uh, next week. And, you know, Mike Breen and Brian Anderson and uh, Mark Jones and just so many people reached out when the news broke. I am Eagle just saying we're so excited to have you if you need anything. So people are truly excited to have us here, which, Sarah, you know, is not always the case. Oftentimes it's, (laughs) oh, yeah, there's a lady here. Oh, look at us for being inclusive. Let's pat ourselves on the back and do whatever we can to not support the person we actually hired for this really (laughs) difficult job. Um, But that has been uh, anything but here in Philly. So I'm having a blast. And uh, Joel Embiid is helping with that. What's been your favorite adjustment to the city so far? Uh, I think the fact that I need to buy bigger clothes, Jason, because (laughs) all, all, all the food, all the booze, all the desserts, like everything here, as you know, is delicious. Um, everybody's like, have a cheesesteak, have this pizza, have this pretzel, have this beer. Let me take you to my whiskey distillery. Um, <laughs> so my clothing is rather tight right now, which is difficult for television. I know nobody cares about that, and that is a first-world problem. Um, and probably also the cold that has now arrived to this California kid. Uh, it's a little shocking. You know, took the dog out <laughs> for her first potty walk this morning in 19-degree weather. And every, every time I do that, despite the big coat that I've bought and the scarf and the gloves and the and the you know beanie every time it's holy blank oh my gosh yeah. it's really cold um but then I remember that I'm here because I'm the play-by-play voice of the Philadelphia 76ers so I get over it pretty quick pretty amazing you'll get used to it too it was nine degrees here so you got that extra 10 degrees that's real nice Kate Scott <laughs> do, is with us do you us. get used to it do you you do I mean I personally have been doing eight to ten miles walking as long as it's 20 degrees or over I'm like, oh, it's warm oh enough. So you get used to it. You got to get a good jacket, one that covers your butt. That's okay. the key. Uh, Kate Scott yes, yes. calls the Sixers. She's with us. Let's talk about Embiid. You mentioned him. Fitz and I were sort of remarking that there's just a lot of things going on. So, of course, we're paying attention to Embiid being great, but maybe not enough attention considering what yeah. he's been doing. The guy has more points than minutes played in five straight games. It's 42, <laughs> yeah. 38, 40, 50. His low point in the last five games was 32 points in 29 minutes. How do you explain what he's doing right now? Yeah, that 32 points was a, a big disappointment as well. I think we were actually talking to uh, our, our young point guard, Tyrese Maxey, after that game. And I pointed that out to Tyrese in our post-game interview, and that's what Tyrese said. He was like, yeah, that's you know, that's really disappointing. I'm going to have to talk to Joel about that in the locker room after I get off the mic with you guys. Yeah. Um, but it is, it, it's phenomenal what he's doing right now. And I heard you guys chatting just a couple minutes ago just kind of about the NBA as a whole right now. And I think you hit on it in that, it's just such a confusing season, right? We should all be talking about Lakers-Nets today, but because so few of the teams are at full strength at any time, it seems like any time we have one of these big matchups, well, Kevin Durant is out right now because of a knee injury. Okay, Anthony Davis just came back, but it's just his first game. You know, I was looking back at our schedule, um, and, and we played the Bucks once so far. The Bucks beat us, but there was no Joel. There was no Tobias Harris in that game. So I think it's so hard right now for the league to gain any momentum because all the big blockbuster games that we're supposed to get excited about and look forward to oftentimes 
one of the big stars on one of the teams is out either because of injury or COVID health and safety protocols right now. So uh, I appreciated that conversation. And I think that's one of the reasons that folks maybe aren't paying as much attention to the ridiculous couple of weeks that Joel Embiid is having right now um, because it is remarkable what he is doing, you guys. As you mentioned, Sarah, more points than minutes played in the last five games. And and that means he's scoring 40 and 50 points in those games. It's not like he's playing 12 minutes and he's putting up 16. Uh, he is playing the majority of the game. And in addition to scoring that many points, it's the way he's doing it. I loved the fact that his trainer tweeted out a video last week. Um, and it was, you know, Michael hitting a fadeaway, Kobe hitting a fadeaway, and then Embiid hitting a fadeaway. And then it was those guys who were obviously incredible Hall of Fame guards in the NBA. And then we've got this seven foot two inch big dude in <laughs> Philly doing the same exact move. In addition to that, you could do split screens with Dirk Nowitzki. You can do split screens with him down on the block with Hakeem pivoting and pivoting and then laying it up in and off the glass. So as my partner, Ala Abzanabi, says here in Philly, we are just so lucky and fortunate that we are getting paid to call these games right now because he is a generational talent, same way we talked about those guys. Um, and, and he just seems to be really approaching the peak of his powers right now. So it's a really special time right now here in Philly. So, Kate, obviously that level of production doesn't feel sustainable for a whole season. What is the sustainable right. method that gets the Sixers to where they want to be? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. And Joel actually talked about that after the game um, last night because played the Pelicans, who are not one of the good teams in the league right now. And in addition to that, they pretty much rested their entire starting lineup because <laughs> it was the second half of a back-to-back. They have another one because of a rescheduling. You know, that's the season it's been in the NBA. And it was a difficult win for the Sixers. It was one of those, you should win easily, but still it's a grind to get there. And Joel said after the game, look, guys, I'm just tired because – I'm playing more. I don't want to take any games off this year. I already missed a chunk of games because of COVID. I don't want to miss anymore. I know that was a big reason that I didn't get the MVP consideration that I thought I deserved last year because I just didn't play enough games. So I think as frustrating as it is for me as an announcer, for us as fans, that that is something that he and Doc Rivers and the team are going to have to consider. When, when can they give Joel a night off to keep him – producing the way he is um i think the other guys as we've seen the last week which is a big reason the sixers have won so many games since christmas tobias harris is the the robin to joel's batman here in philly and he had a tough start to the season because of covid and because he had a, a career year in pretty much every category last year so you guys know you set the bar that high everybody just expects you to repeat it or mm -hmm. be better this year he's a little bit under that so that's pissing a lot of people off here in Philly. But thankfully, the last week plus, he's starting to find his groove again. He had a career high, a season high, pardon me, 33 in the win over the Pelicans last night. He scored 20 plus in four straight. So he's really starting to find his rhythm. And then the young guys, Tyrese Maxey, who I mentioned earlier, Furkan Korkmaz, who's in his fifth year here now, just the role player. Seth Curry, who's missed the last couple of games because of an ankle roll, but he's just a walking bucket like his older brother is. That's important. And then I know the thing that everybody else is talking about that we're, we're avoiding because he's not here and there's nothing we can do about it right now. But, you know, the, the guy who was really the second-best player on this team, Ben Simmons, isn't here and hasn't played all season. So... Either he comes back and plays and is going to make the team a whole lot better, 
or he gets traded, um, which is what he desires, and they're going to get some good basketball players back in exchange for him. I have no idea how that's going to pan out, so that's why I focus on the guys who are here. Um, and if those guys keep playing the way they have, I, I mean, they're sixth in the East right now, and every team above them except the Bucks, they've beaten on the road in their places. Sarah's Bulls, the Nets in Brooklyn, the Heat down in Miami. So it's it's a wild time right now in the East, and it is an awesome time to be a part of it. Hard to make predictions, Kate, that's for sure, but they're playing well, and, and Joel is playing fantastic. The question is, how do you avoid a repeat of last year's disappointment? And that's left to be seen when everybody is healthy and everyone can play. Thanks so much for hopping on with us. Get back to the boozing, and hopefully we'll, we'll talk to you again <laughs> later in the season. Congrats again. You're the best, Kate. Thank you. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me on. Talk soon. Kate Scott, you can hear her calling the Sixers games, NBC Sports Philadelphia, and a ton of other stuff. Like I said, Olympics, football, everything. She's all over the place. She's giving you the straight talk. Brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Coming up, one team doubling down on their starting QB for 22, and who it is might surprise you. It's next. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. So there's a lot of NFL news going on. You know, we're, we're excited for the games coming this weekend, obviously. But uh, we as always happens this time of year. There's only four uh, four games this weekend, or two games, I should say, four teams uh, involved in this, and that means that there are 28 other teams trying to figure out what went wrong. And so, whenever that happens, that means you get a bunch of updates and a bunch of news. And Sarah, we're going to get to that the, the way only this show can. It's time for some quickies. Quickies with Spain and Fitz. We get in and out of topics fast. I think Giants fans were ecstatic today because they got their GM. So many Giants fans were were excited and hopeful that Joe Shane would come over and become their GM. He did. But the importance today, Sarah, isn't just that they got their guy. It's that we heard not only from him, but also from John Mara, the Giants owner. And I think he had some strong words everybody should hear about what he thinks of Daniel Jones. We do feel that Daniel can play. We've done everything possible to screw this kid up uh, since he's been here. We keep changing coaches, keep changing offensive coordinators, keep changing offensive line coaches. You know, I take a lot of responsibility for that. But let's bring in the right group of coaches now and, and give him some continuity and try to rebuild the offensive line and then be able to make a, an intelligent uh, evaluation of, of whether he can be the franchise quarterback or not. I have a lot of hope in Daniel. I know how badly he wants it. I know how the players feel about him. So uh, we are certainly not giving up on him. Staggering honesty mm. from an owner, I think. I liked it. I think if you're, even if you aren't 100% certain about Daniel Jones, if you look around and there isn't another option, that is the best answer. Because blowing smoke up people's you-know-whats about how you think he's great isn't going to be something anybody buys. But if you say we can't wait to get a look at him without all of these factors that have really affected his ability to succeed, people will say, okay, yeah, you're right. And I, I would rather hear honesty, and I would rather hear something that gives me a little hope that with the right fixes he does have a shot than just sort of the shrug of, yeah, yeah, he's our guy. Uh, I, I will say, though, that hearing Joe Shane, um, the new GM, talk about it until the very last sentence of this clip, you're not really sure how bought in he is. Yeah, I've looked at Daniel, and once the new staff gets in here, we're going to get together, offense coordinator, head coach, the entire staff, dive into the film as a group, and look at what Daniel does best, and we're going to try to you know, allow him to put his best foot forward. So, again, I've looked at him. I know there's been, you know, I wasn't here in the past, so I don't exactly know 
you know, what he was told to do. But I do know this. I know he's a great kid. He's been in this building the last two days. I've, I've talked to him. There's not anybody in this building that has said a bad word about his work ethic, passion, you know, desire to win. And I think you've got to have those traits as a quarterback. And the kid has physical ability. You know, he's got arm strength. He's athletic. He can run. So I'm really getting, I'm really excited to work with Daniel. And again, when the new staff gets in here, we'll build an offense around Daniel to accentuate what he does best. Okay, that bit at the end, where you have a future plan involving him, that sounded like a vote of confidence. The rest of it sounded like, well, uh, you know, he's got two arms and uh, two legs. I've taken a look at him. He's got a head on top of a neck. Uh, you know, Daniel Jones, I, much more than that. I, I have he's heard a of human him. Being. That's, yeah, that's exactly. He, the people tell me he's on the team. I, but you make a fair point. Like this is one of those moments where if he had flipped everything he said and started with the man, love him, got right. great tools. We're going to build around him. Uh, I haven't heard a negative. Like if he just reversed the way he delivered all of that, but instead it was uh, like he was building up the drama. Everybody, because you're right, <laughs> saying like I've looked at the film and uh, you know we're going to bring in coaches and we'll look at the film and it's like yeah, yeah, yes, it's like an improv game. Yes, and yeah, uh, what. Man. What, what, what are we doing next? So, but I do think that, that that speaks to at least part of the interview process, right? Because anytime you have a new GM come in, I've got to imagine that one of the first things they're asked is what they think of the quarterback mm -hmm. that's in the building. So now we have an indication of what Mara thinks as the owner and what Shane thinks as the GM. And all of that should be part, I would think, of the conversation that happens when it comes to bringing in a coach. So uh, if we know that the two of them seem to be on the same page, then I would believe that they're going to bring in a coach that is looking, instead of saying, hey, we need to make a bunch of changes, they're probably, it sounds like, looking for a coach that comes in and says, yeah, I've looked at Daniel Jones, and this is how I think we can make him s successful. That's a much different interview process. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a realistic approach to a bad situation is how I would suggest that. That's, that's a fair way to say that. Sarah's always smarter than I am. Let's go to the next story. Quickies. All right, the next up, next up, we got a little Gronk news. And, you know, I'm not sure if this is really news, but anytime Gronk speaks, we listen. He spoke to TMZ because he's Gronk. This is what he said about his future. I would say no right now. It's two days after the season. I'd be like, no, I'm not playing. Like, uh, like way too soon. But like, you got to give it some time. You got to rest. I would say to see how everything goes. You know how everything plays out. Uh, how you know how I feel. I mean, I just want to heal completely. See where my thoughts are from there. Then, I want to inject truth serum into him, Sarah, <laughs> so that he says, "I would say, what's Tom doing?" Right. Well. He did, ref he, he did respond to that question and said that he would consider coming back even if it wasn't with Tom Brady, but I think most of us would assume he doesn't want to this late in his career suddenly start working with another quarterback, particularly after the success that they've had. And we know that Gronk, particularly when he retired before, talked about the pain he was in. Now, they're not testing for weed anymore, and he seems a lot better. He said, despite lose, you know missing some time to the collapsed lung and the ribs and stuff, he just has some minor bumps and bruises, doesn't doesn't feel nearly as terrible as he did right before retirement, but this is not a good time to ask a, a, a player uh, other than the ones that are going to say, I'm hungry to get back out there and win. Like, let, I wish the season started tomorrow, which is probably going to be the real young guys, not the ones that have already you know, been doing this for a long time like Gronk has. I don't think it's big news, but he did leave the door open. Yeah, and I love it when veteran players take a second to step away yeah. and don't think emotionally. I think that's the right thing to do. Let's get to the next story. Quickies. A little bit of love here for the Vikings. They have found their next general manager, Kwesi Adolfo Mensa, uh, is coming over. He'll be replacing uh, – pardon? 
Nice work. I I know. (laughs) Well, you know, every once in a while, I can't read, but every once in a while, I get it done. Uh, He's going to come over, taking over for Rick Spielman. He'll be the new GM. Uh, Has an extensive background. Comes over from the Browns before that, the 49ers. So the Vikings get their guy and bring in somebody that uh, has a Wall Street and analytics background. So interesting to to see what that means for them. Yeah, smarty pants with uh, Princeton and Stanford on his resume. And I think we have looked across and, and usually you would say, oh, what are the brainchilds from the Browns? But, you know, of, of late, they have managed to actually exhibit some um, some smart football moves and, and, and shown the way to get out of a hole. Um, and that might be what the Vikings are looking for. He's not taking on an easy gig looking at the financials and the quarterback situation fits. So uh, he's got a big job ahead of him. Yeah, hopefully they'll be patient there. Let's get one more in real quick. Quickies. And this one comes a little nod to the Chiefs fan. Chiefs fans, uh, in a nod to Bill's Mafia, have donated almost $200,000 to Buffalo Children's Hospital. The idea to donate $13 increments to Patrick Mahomes Foundation. That changed when Chiefs fans heard more about the Bill's Mafia tradition of giving back to other teams. This is when the NFL can be incredible. And it's great to see fans doing great things with this platform. All right, coming up next, Jane Skinner-Gadell going to join us for something you don't want to miss, Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Joining us next, someone I've had on the podcast, in fact, gave me one of the uh, best answers to a question ever on my podcast we'll get to that in a little bit that's a tease folks it's jane skinner goodell joining us to talk about earning it a five-part docuseries from nfl films highlighting the careers of some of the most powerful women working in the nfl love this topic love our girl sam rapaport love the concept of the women in numbers growing but jane tell us what's special about this particular docuseries yeah so what we're doing here is chronicling basically the change that's happened. I mean, if I had told you guys five or six years ago, you'd be seeing at the Super Bowl this past year in 2021, uh, two female coaches and Sarah Thomas on the sidelines as a, a NFL official. You know, I, you, I don't think you would have believed me. I certainly wouldn't have believed that was going to happen. So the pace of change um, in the league in this, you know, wildly male dominated, of course, uh, industry has just been so fast. And, um, I wanted to make sure that we get it down and kind of chronicle how it has it has happened. And you had Sam on to talk about. I mean, she is really responsible for a yeah. lot of it. She, I was standing on the on Roger Goodell's high school football field when she came to help him run a flag football clinic, and she kicked his ass, by the way. <laughs> um, and she said she was like brave enough. He said, "Sam, what's going on?" And she said, "I have this idea, and I know all these like smart women who ha- there's no way." For them to take their football skills and bring them into the league right now so she said i have an idea to create a pipeline and he said call me monday and she has done like phenomenal things and i i mean she's just like changing not only the sport but really you know history in a lot of ways and my big thing in making it was if i were sitting and working in a different industry i would be fascinated by it too like how mm-hmm. does the nfl do this and bring women into the game and 
um, seem to have some success with it. And how could I do that maybe in my business or, you know, in other parts of society? So that's really was the, the goal of it. And we're profiling 20 plus women. So you're going to meet a lot of people, not just the coaches and the officials, but there are people you, female agents and the head of NFL security is a woman and people who are in the front offices and football operations and scouts and, you know, just kind of all facets of the game. Jane, you mentioned that this seems to be happening so quickly. What's been the cause in your mind for the fast-tracking of this change? Well, you know, Sam said it best when she said, I couldn't have done this without Ron Rivera. So, like, somebody like that, you know, Ron Rivera, Roger Goodell, Troy Vincent, when you have as we, we had Billie Jean King on the podcast with us earlier this year, and she said, you can't make change. Women can't make change without the men in power helping them. So you have to find people who are willing and interested and want to see this. And, and Ron was the first head coach to raise his hand and say, I think we're not listening or taking into account that there's another half of the population. Maybe they have great viewpoints. Um, you know, he, his wife has been a coach and his daughter plays sports. And I think that was part of it is that he saw how additive they were and he didn't understand why that couldn't happen. So, you know, once that happened, then there came the Sean McDermott's and the Kevin Stefanski's and, you know, and Sam just kept rolling and kept her foot on the gas and asked everybody. And of course you're going to get a lot of no's at first, but once people see leaders like that, Bruce Arians, um, then they start to understand that maybe I can do this too. And, and guess what? Bruce Arians and his Buccaneers won the Super Bowl yeah. with a pretty diverse team. So, you know, that once that happens and people, people see these, you know, kind of uh, trails being blazed, I think that's what's caused it to, to be on this, like, kind of hyperspeed. We've talked a lot about Arian staff here because it is true. Like, the subjectivity of telling people what it can look like and how it can work only goes so far. But when you just have the trophy – and you have the people to point to that got you there, it can really change things. We're talking to Jane Skinner-Goodell about the Earning It docuseries from NFL Films. Uh, new episodes every week on Peacock leading up to the Super Bowl. Sierra, the uh, the narrator, Grammy Award winner, and of course, uh, uh, Russell Wilson's better half. How did you end up scoring her for this project? Oh, she has been so amazing so I am like I always have these you know I, we, you and I have talked about this like the pinch me moments right and I had a pinch me moment in the middle of the pandemic last year where we're, there weren't very many people at the Super Bowl in Tampa because it was so limited yeah and I had a conversation with her Russell was the man of the year and she was there and she was telling her story of how you know she has changed her life very dramatically, and Russell's a big part of that. But she is really trying to pass that on to younger women and say, "Here's mistakes I've made. You have to be empowered." She is a businesswoman herself. I always say I interviewed the two of them once for a panel, and I said she's just as ambitious in the best ways as Russell Wilson is. You know, she, she really knows what she wants, and she has established herself in so many different areas. And I just thought she is the perfect person for this. And so I pitched her and not thinking in a million years she'd say yes. And not only did she say yes, but she's like, she's so great and so into it. And you guys will laugh at this. We were, uh, so we have recording sessions with her for each of the episodes and we're working on episode three right now. And so like at midnight on this past Sunday night, uh, we had a recording session. She was on the West coast and who popped in, but Russell Wilson, like put his head in the camera. <laughs> hey guys. <laughs> so, uh, 
it, they both have been um, so supportive and um, they just are, have such good energy. And I think uh, really, especially they have a daughter too, and they do a lot with flag football with boys and girls um, out in Seattle. And I think they, they feel very tied to the message. Through all of this process, Jane, what, what change have you seen in the perception of women in the NFL from players and organizations? Yeah, you know, I think that's one of the reasons, actually, we we decided to do the series because we I've seen that perception change on the inside. Um, you know, once uh, Callie Bronson gets hired by the Bills and then her name gets out, Kevin Stefanski gets hired by the Browns and says, I've heard of this woman, calls her in and, you know, pretty much hires her on the spot. So inside the league, I think it's changed pretty quickly. Again, I give credit to Sam bringing the right kind of women in to meet these uh, you know, coaches and GMs and owners who are open to the idea. But the series, I think, is going to open a lot of eyes for viewers because they're just not going to know, you know, how many positions that women hold and really positions of power and how they got there. The stories are so inherently interesting because if you think about a normal head coach in the league, you pretty much know how he got his job. There's a very direct path. But these women, you know, none of them have direct paths because there wasn't a direct path. So, you know, Jennifer King in Washington was a police officer. She worked for Delta Airlines and Lori Locas in Tampa, like worked in a warehouse as a single mother. So they really have these super interesting backstories. I think it makes them, you really understand how resilient they've had to be and wildly passionate about the game because they just kept trucking, uh, you know, and not giving up and waiting for something to open and then voila this pipeline is created jane schooner goodell is with us here on spain and fitz talking about earning it a docuseries on peacock with new episodes every week leading up to the super bowl first episode hit just a couple days ago uh you'll hear from a whole bunch of folks you already mentioned people like bruce arians but also uh, saquon barkley sean mcdermott Dion sanders uh sierra is narrating and the stories are great ones and i think if you uh, are open-minded enough, you can probably watch the, the paths for these women and see men in other industries, see people of different uh, backgrounds, races, religions, wh whatever outlet you want to seek out in life um, that might look homogenous to you and that feels like maybe it isn't open to you. I bet watching this, there's a lot of ways to take lessons from how these women got there because to your point, just a couple of years ago, it probably felt impossible as we were celebrating one female football intern. And now here we are looking across the <laughs> league and seeing women in so many different spaces. So I'm looking forward to watching it. Uh, we love Sam Rappaport and her podcast, uh, which follows a lot of the same discussions. We appreciate you coming on to talk to us about it, um, and I'll, I'll pay off that tease by telling everyone that I asked Jane what album she would want on a desert island if you could no, only have one, no. and she said Rolling Stones' Sticky Fingers, because if you go look at the album cover, it would give me something to listen to and something to do with my hands. So go ahead and Google that, no. folks. Go ahead and Google it. One of the best answers so ever. It's a great record, though. It's a great record. Let's just, yeah, it's yeah, great that's record. what the hell yeah. Thank you, Fitz. If anybody wants advice on how to embarrass their teenagers, they can call me because when they heard I said that, they were like, you've got to be kidding me. I so, love it. That's amazing. I love that's it. Amazing. Thank but you, Jane. Saying the truth. I, man, listen, that's what we want. That's what we want. We love honesty uh, around here. <laughs> appreciate the time and congrats on the show. Thanks, Jane. Thanks, you guys. Good to talk to you. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80.
Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We do want to get everybody updated to a piece of news that's come out today. A statue of Kobe Bryant and his daughter Gigi has been placed at the site of the fatal helicopter crash uh, to honor all of the victims. Obviously, today is the two-year anniversary of uh, the death of so many people in that accident. And Sarah, it's a, it's a good opportunity for uh, that moment and that, that place to be memorialized for hopefully something over time that can give legacy to everybody that was lost in that, uh, in that tragic accident. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's been a lot of great memories across the internet today, a lot of sad memories, um, and I do think that there is a very different feeling when you remember the passing of someone who was taken so young versus um, the athletes and, and the beloved celebrities that you lose later in life. I think it's kind of like shocking again every time you think about it as you near the anniversary of, of this day. Well, and certainly a difficult day for me when it happened like it was for so many, and uh, always good to, to look back and, and remember the legacy. So uh, on Spain and Fitz, we're going to pay off some polls. That is, uh, we, we put out a couple of them here. And you find out a lot about the listeners in the process of a poll, Sarah, because we ask people who they're rooting for this weekend, uh, if anybody has a dog in the fight. But before we get to those answers, we also ask people, you know, who the most pathetic fan base is out there. And, and look, I, I'm paraphrasing there, but I guess it's not about of all time. And I need to stress that. But it, it made me think, <laughs> before we get to any of the answers, I actually had this revelation when you were talking about it. Because I keep thinking about that moment when you walk in and say, I'm a insert fan here. And everybody sort of goes, oh, I feel for you, right? You know, like, <laughs> I, I realized in this moment that I've got it pretty good right now. Like, uh, for the first time in a long time, I'm like, you know what? I'm not completely embarrassed by my favorite right. football team. My my WNBA team had a very successful year. I am, uh, you know, I'm, I'm all in now for a few months on the Golden Knights and the Preds have been part of my life. Like, I've got pretty good things rooting for. I feel pretty good. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've got a couple positives on my side. The women's sports in Chicago are doing quite well. The Bulls are very exciting. There's a little hope on the horizon with the Bears. The Cubs I haven't had to think about in a while, but now that I did, are very depressing. And the Blackhawks are in the mix for team because of a number of factors, which include that they suck and that we got spoiled by them winning so much in a short time and the embarrassment and the shame of the sexual assault issue that they're dealing with or not dealing with, as the case may be, has made it really tough for me to like get into the Blackhawks this year. And that was part of what I was thinking about as I asked this question. Like, There's a number of reasons why you might be in the mix, and we got a variety of answers for those different reasons. Uh, the Wizards are just like, there doesn't feel like there's a future and a plan, and they're simultaneously doing things like blowing 35-point leads. So that one, that one was pretty clear. We got a lot of votes for teams that are just having terrible seasons. Lots of votes for the Flyers. As at Jay Farrell 16 pointed out, they have 10 game and 13 game losing streaks already this season, and they're only halfway done. That is impressive. <laughs> um, we got I votes did. for the Maple Leafs, the Devils, the Sabres. A lot of hockey fans are with me that it's been a rough go of it. Pelicans fans, that's always a problem. The Kings, I mean, the Sacramento Kings fans, when have they ever had it good? Uh, but then you've got like the Washington football team. Like, that's a tough one to beat. The institutional failure, questions about what the you know the name, all of it is just like ick. Maybe you got the like maybe new branding coming just a few days from now, right? So maybe we're only a few uh, days away from a new fresh. Start. I don't know. I'm trying and to be yet positive. Snyder still owns it, and there's yeah, you know, right. I, uh, I mean, Ed, Ed on Twitter hit us up. Ed Rain said 
Are you familiar with the Baltimore Orioles? I'm a right. fan of them and the Wiz, so yeah, I know Oof. how to pick them. Like, that's just, I, I hadn't really thought about that even though I went to high school in that area. I don't really think so much about it sometimes, but then you start putting it all together and you're like, you're right. There's a lot of people there that are, frankly, Washington football, Washington Wizards, and Baltimore yeah, Orioles fans. That's like a that's a tough one. Oh, well, and also, uh, rooting for a completely terrible baseball team might be among the worst because there's no hope, there's no quick turnaround, there's no parity, and because of revenue sharing, a lot of those teams don't really care. So the Orioles, the Pirates, how about the Mariners? Like, they mm. get your hope up every year and then they never do anything. Um, a lot of recently in, uh, injured by their team football fans, Packers, Lions, Giants, Cowboys. I mean, if you're the Packers and the Cowboys, yeah, you suffered losses and people really enjoyed your losing, but you're doing fine. You were just in the postseason. The Giants and the Lions, on the other hand, oof, I don't know about that. I mean, uh, I don't know that struggle. many football fans, though, feel more heartbroken or, or let's say despondent than Texans fans, right? Like, right, the Texans, you know, the Jets. It's always the Jets, as someone I mean, said. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, and, and if you're a Texans fan, you're sitting here saying, like, we just fired a coach one year into a five-year mm-hmm. deal, and now now we might be hiring basically Dolph Lundgren to be our new coach with no head coaching right. experience. Like, I have no right. idea what they're doing. Right, so and you have to do with Jack difficult. Easterby, the, you know, just weird. That whole situation is weird to me. Uh, at Fix NHL refs very smartly pointing out the Coyotes have been threatened with eviction. Uh, <laughs> do not need a second hand to count their wins in the second half, and it'll look like that for the next few years. Yeah, the Coyotes are up there. Um, at K-Shack said the Supersonics, you are right, sir. You win. If you are a fan of the Supersonics, it is the worst possible team to be a maybe fan of right now because they do not exist. Maybe, maybe um, they're coming back. Also, an interesting argument for the Celtics. At the better, Adrian says, you know, if we legit sucked and were a lottery team tanking, it'd be okay. But the, the ultimate Jekyll and Hyde team, it does my head in. I don't know what we're going to get in night in, night out. And that is no, very true. That no, is no. a tough team to root for. I, I'm, I'm going to step on the better, Adrian, here and say, look, I remember that, that moment many years ago in my fandom where I sat there and thought, you know what? I'd rather stink than sit here and be right on the verge every single year. And then my beloved Raiders stunk for 13 straight years. I don't yeah. know. Like, there's yeah. something about mediocrity well, is better than it gets credit for. For a short amount of time and get better. So they did Look, it wrong. They Look, did it I'm just, wrong. I'm looking for a team that's a solid five that I can be in a long term <laughs> safe relationship with. At least it's not a three. Like, that's where uh, I am. It's Spade and Fitz, Sarah Spade and Jason Fitz. Hey, speaking of looking for teams, we also asked people how they're choosing their teams for this weekend if their team has been eliminated are they going with the hate route essentially continuing to eliminate the teams that they hate the most until they're left with whoever is left over that's the least hateable or are they going based on a player that they really like or something else and the majority of people are choosing love fits there are definitely some people that went with the hate route in fact at kind man said can i root against aaron Rodgers again and the answer is always <laughs> even when he's not playing um but a lot of people said you know uh, i'm just rooting for the underdogs or uh bradley 187 two quarterbacks have already been to the super bowl so i'm cheering for the other two it felt like a lot of the most hated teams were already eliminated and now I you've got right. some that like not a lot of people hate. Uh, Sparty VZ, I go for the older NFL teams, take that mix in some hate, and I have a Cincinnati versus Rams Super Bowl. Um, or Tim McTaggart, a lot of people said what he said, which was just competitive games. Like the last weekend was the best playoff weekend ever, and I just want more of that. So whatever's going to get me more of that. Like we've ended up. Like, you know, I was joking a couple weeks ago. We had the haters parlay of, like, you got to root for the Patriots losing, 
Belichick losing, Brady losing, the Cowboys losing, Saban losing. Like, if you were a hater of success, you were feeling good. And now you're left with, like, mostly likable teams. Yeah, like, I'm I'm genuinely sitting here thinking, like, who's the villain in all of this? Like, you know, I know a lot of people are not massive fans of Patrick Mahomes' brother, but I don't know a right. lot of people that are sitting there saying, oh, I just can't stand watching Patrick Mahomes play. Joe Burrow is as is, is exciting as anybody right now. Everybody's falling in love with him. Jimmy G, while we may debate his greatness, we can't debate his overall rock star, you know, Q rating. Right. And what is there to hate about the Rams? Like, I, I just, I struggle to find the hate in any of this. Well, there are some very unsavory characters on the Chiefs. I know a lot of people uh, that don't like fair. to get into that. That is fair, but yeah, no, that you, is fair. Uh, if you sh- uh, took away the shine of Patrick Mahomes and people liking Andy Reid a lot, you're left with some folks that are tough to root for. That now that is that is a fair point. And look, it's never you never have to twist my arm to get me to root against the Chiefs. Like that's it's just going to happen. Like I I'm mean, not. You also like I mean, uh, Robbie Gold's basically still a bear. Um, right. Jimmy G is from Illinois. Oh, look at all of these. The tines. Niners are starting to look pretty good. You know what? Well, Jimmy G always looks good. Speaking of Jimmy G, did you know he's going to be joining Freddie and Fitzsimmons wow. next? You don't want to miss it. Thanks for hanging out with Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.